At the Fed, we will continue to provide the economy the support that it needs for as long as it takes. Today, the FOMC kept interest rates near zero and maintained our sizable asset purchases. Hello. There's a lot for markets to digest at the moment, not least the latest views from the Federal Reserve, which met hours before this recording. How should investors interpret them? I'm Richard Edgar, and I've been speaking to Fidelity International's Global Chief Investment Officer, Andrew McCaffrey. Andrew, we've seen some very rapid moves in bond markets in recent weeks. What's driving these moves? Oh, I think very clearly, uh, Richard, that um, it's the perception of how inflation is um, uh, potentially developing in the system, but also I think it's growth. So at the moment, some of this is uh, you know, relatively benign in the feedback loops um, that, uh, because there is an argument that you know, with the strong reflation we, we're seeing from policy, from the way that the vaccine rollout is occurring, especially in the US, that this will lead to higher growth and um, really uh, uh, you know, being a very positive um, impact across the, the economy. But with that is that you know, yields are therefore potentially in the wrong place. And should they be just uh, moved higher to support what is that uh, you know, much higher growth profile? But the residue is very much, you know, what does this mean for um, inflation in that is it as transitory as the Fed are often uh, saying, or is it something that actually then becomes much more in, embedded? And I think the markets are, uh, you know, really going through this sort of tug of war, and the, the bond uh, vigilantes are testing that last uh, uh, that last point on, um, you know, whether the inflation actually gets more traction, and what does that mean for policy as we roll through into next year? Well, what does it mean for policy? Because the Fed um, has said again that it's going to look through mm. inflation and keep rates low until 2024, despite lifting its growth and inflation forecast. So mashing exactly what you're just um, saying. But with all of that pent up demand, stimulus, the monetary support, um, it's going to have to make a move sooner rather than later, isn't it? Well, I think this is why you know, this time uh, is very interesting to, to be um, you know, an observer on the, the policy uh, framework, because we have such an enormous debt burden being created through the stimulus being brought into uh, obviously what the pandemic has caused and what was already there in reality and it's just uh, you know grown so so rapidly that there's the challenge of maintaining the cost of that debt and so it doesn't topple um, you know the stimulus and uh, the the future growth. Um, I think the other part as well is that the Fed, as we've just mentioned, is very clear in that it feels that any inflationary pressures are transitory and therefore they're looking through this and seeing that we will see base effects coming through in the next um, few months. We will see possibly that sort of uptick um, uh, that may create some concern and, and come back to that for markets. But you know, to look through and say that it won't be coming into the system, it won't be sustained, and therefore they can focus on to the other part of their mandate, which is employment and working with the administration um, to make sure that employment is picking up and to get to the levels we saw pre-pandemic. And so from that respect, I think that you know it's a very different environment that they are seeing at this stage. And really, it's going to be more about how markets believe in the credibility of that view um, through time and how that oscillates. So the message from the Fed is um, those base effects, the, the comparison with a year ago, that because of that, it's just a temporary effect. Don't let it frighten the horses. Um, and they want to, they, they've got bigger things to, to worry about with employment. Yes. And, and I think that is the message that we keep hearing from them. 
I think that you know it's it's interesting as as well that um, you know when you uh, listen to that and, and the challenge that it brings when it comes back to to the market perspective for investors is that you know is that correct and you know will they be proved um, right? They say given the amount of pent up demand that's being created, the amount of stimulus that's being flown through, and I think this is interesting. We look forward to looking to the other side of the equation to fiscal policy. The next conversation in the US and, and still ongoing around the world is going to be around infrastructure, around green agendas. And then you're going to have the tax conversation start and how much that does or doesn't impact into this profile of keeping that growth running, bringing the debt burden down um, and uh, uh, you know being able to, to manage uh, that over the next um, uh, few years rather than creating you know fresh risks. And I think that's something that you know, we'll see more of as the uh, conversation around the next um, level of fiscal policy moves and um, develop. It sounds like there's quite a lot of high wire balancing uh, acts going on <laughs> here um, in, in various different directions. What are the signals that you're looking for, though, as we as we go through this, you know, the next couple of months, as you, as you said, you know, data might be slightly misleading. But what, what are you looking for in terms of which way markets might um, might might go? So I think it's still very important to look at what's happening with uh, the real yield environment, because ultimately, you know, uh, if we look at the the underlying um, sort of game that has to be played, is that uh, you know how do they keep the negative real yield levels to, to be able to um, you know, repress um, and allow the, the debt burden to decrease and to also sustain um, uh, levels of growth and the stimulus for that uh, growth for a, a period of time, which again plays back into that mandate point about employment. Um, and so I think you know, this is the, the sort of vital point as we look forward is that you know, we saw the, the jump um, from uh, you know below uh, sort of the minus 100 up to minus 60 65 having an impact and part, partly that was rate of change not just the the level you know if this stabilizes here and we start to see real yields start to um, move lower again then that will provide a lot of um, you know comfort that uh, again this can be managed it's more more benign but I don't think we're going to have a smooth trajectory when we look through you know the, the months ahead. One thing I've often heard from market commentators is never bet against the Fed. But what if the Fed have got it wrong this time? Well, and I think that's the challenge you know, around the, the credibility comment that um, uh, because you know it will be a degree of once we start to see the base effects, but then is there any traction in inflation? Do we see other signs? And this is going to be you know looking into parts of the economy that are forward-looking signals. So partly into the sort of the business um, pricing uh, profile, you know, looking into the underlying input costs, um, looking at uh, the way in which you're seeing any traction and any parts of sectors that um, suggest that, you know, there's more than just the stimulus. This is about supply chain. This is about repositioning of um, activity. It's about real supply demand, um, you know, challenges being sustained rather than, um, you know, just intermediate concerns. And I think the other part, though, is that, Interestingly, when you read all this together and, and you look at what the Fed's saying, the, the one thing that sort of stands out at the moment um, is that you know, you're not betting against the Fed, you're going with them if you look for a steeper yield curve, because what they're telling you is they're anchoring uh, you know, short rates that um, they're watching the belly of the curve. You know, if growth is higher, then yields can increase you know, at the, the longer end um, and they can live with that in terms of not going too far, but certainly can go further than we are today. 
So you've you've set out the, the facts as you see them. If somebody listening to this is having to make some decisions about their asset allocation, both in the short term and over the long term, what would you say to them as we go through what seems like quite a an important period? The real challenge around this is that what we've seen in the US is a move that we've seen in Japan, in Europe, um, and that is that as you move towards that sort of zero um, and the degree to which you have that benefit of sort of bond diversification versus risk assets, um, and it, it just it deteriorates, um, and we've seen, been seeing that. So I think the challenge becomes how you think about that sort of balanced portfolio framework, and actually, should you be looking at other ingredients to rather than government bonds? And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't look outside bond markets. I think it means you've got to think about geography and types of risk in terms of debt. So specifically, you know, look into China, to Asia, look into where the uh, degree of discounting, the types of default profile and what you're getting paid in premium for that just look misplaced relative to some of maybe the um, developed world. So that's in fixed income markets, looking to, to new areas um, or new aspects of the fixed income market that you might not have been invested in before. You talked about other ingredients as well, though. Yeah, so I think it's important that you look at um, currency and currency exposure in a very meaningful way because one of the challenges around all this is that although you know we will have times where the market interprets, and especially when the real yields um, you know movement it does jump back from these um, highly negative levels, uh, is that market will read that is that you know is there traction for um, a decline in all that liquidity and, and does that mean therefore the dollar you know gets um, uh, a bid with that. And I think, therefore, over time, you know, we feel that uh, the, the medium term is very much for the dollar being debased by this sort of ongoing, um, uh, you know, both the liquidity provision in dollars being provided by the, the Federal Reserve, but also the fiscal stimulus and the deficits that will be uh, you know, run in the US and that coming home to, to roost over time. And if that's the case, then I think the other thing we'll look into is, is currency exposure and alternatives to that. So looking to gold and um, proxies for for that uh, you know considering even you know uh, the the cycle as we see it in this sort of growth reflation profile you know where in the commodities profile you should look as well because when you think about the asset allocation and combine it with uh, you know, climate change and looking through how that is going to accelerate this year. Then other things are that you know this is going to be a very big boon of the linked agendas. You know, of some of these you know core materials that will be very important for fulfilling that infrastructure and climate um, repositioning that we have to go through as a global economy. So it's all joining up into a picture of those commodities going into real assets, which might be another area of looking into as the infrastructure projects take up. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.